So over the past week, um, it certainly feels like winter, doesn't it? Just a little bit. And of course, because uh, as I'm brushing off my car this morning, I found myself thinking about summer because, well, I'm not really a winter guy. And so I found myself thinking about summer and vacations. And I want to ask you this morning, I think this is, I'm taking a bit of a risk, but I ask you this morning just to close your eyes for a moment and think about your ideal vacation. You doing it? You got your ideal vacation? Now, the reason why I think this is risky is in a moment I'm going to ask you to open your eyes again, and some of you are going to, think, are going to say to me, I'm on a beach, Josh. I'm not leaving my beach. But I'm going to ask you to come back from your beach. All right, come back, come back. You got that ideal vacation in your mind? Uh, you know, what I think would be interesting is if we walked around the room here and we talked to each other and said, hey, what's your ideal vacation? And maybe that's your, something we can talk about after the service. If you're looking for a conversation starter after church, ask somebody what, the, what their ideal vacation was when they thought about it earlier. But my guess is if we went around the room and we did that, our ideal vacations would differ from one another. Yeah, we'd find some people who are thinking the same things that we are, but we'd also find some people who are thinking very differently than we do about what would be our ideal vacation. You know, some of us found ourselves thinking about sitting on a warm beach with a fruity drink in our hands, while others of us were thinking about going, to, going out camping in the back country and having a canoe with us, and we're out there days away from where everybody else is, right, from the nearest Tim Hortons. Uh, or maybe you found yourself thinking uh, about being in a busy tourist destination like Disney or New York City. Well, maybe others of us thought about, you know, sitting in a, co- a quiet cottage with just a few close friends. Or maybe you thought, you know, you thought about going someplace familiar. You know that place where your family always goes? That's what came to mind. Well, maybe for others of us, we thought about the excitement of exploring someplace new. You know, personally, I am much more of a let's go someplace familiar type of guy. You know, when it comes to vacations, uh, it, that's just com- it's comfortable. That's where I, I feel like I want to let down. I'm definitely not excited about going someplace busy, but you might be the person who thinks the exact opposite. We're going someplace busy and exciting and new really gets you charged up, and the idea of going someplace familiar doesn't sound nearly as refreshing. You know, while our ideas about what the ideal vacation might be may differ, what I think we're, we're each envisioning is a change of routine that seems appealing because it's something that replaces the monotony of our daily life. It re- replaces the grind and the demands of our day-to-day life. And the hope is that we will feel rejuvenated and ready to re-engage life with energy and, and the attitude that we want, right? And in a way... This is what Sabbath is all about. And so two weeks ago, we talked about how Sabbath, we talked about Sabbath and we talked about how sometimes life just feels busy and it starts to feel like we're losing control. And we talked about how Sabbath is God's gift to us to help us keep our balance. And so this week, we're going to continue talking about Sabbath and our big idea is that we need to discover the practice of Sabbath that works for us. Now, As we talk about Sabbath, I want us to keep in mind that just like our ideas about what the perfect vacation might be uh, will differ from one another, uh, so too how we practice Sabbath can differ from one another. And so my goal this morning is not to tell you what your Sabbath should look like, so much as to to talk in principles and give some ideas that might inspire us, might generate a curiosity in us to explore what Sabbath might look like for each of us with the responsibilities and the opportunities and the experiences that we each have because they're different. And so I'm hoping that this might move us into an exploration of Sabbath.
And so this morning, we're going to look at three points, and then we're going to end by talking about some application, just some ideas about application, but we're going to start our way talking through three points. And our first one this morning is that when we practice Sabbath, what we are doing is we are following Jesus. When we practice Sabbath, we're following Jesus. In fact, as we read the Gospels, we've realized that one of the things that Jesus does is Jesus practiced the Sabbath. And in Luke chapter 4, we read this. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. And Luke goes on to tell us about, what, about how Jesus read from the book of Isaiah. You know, for the Jewish people, uh, Jewish people of Jesus' day, there was this custom of Sabbath observation that was a part of their society. Now, if anybody could have said, hey, I don't need Sabbath, or I'm going to do something different, I think it could have been Jesus. I mean, after all, he is God, and, and, and he had things to do. I mean, he was God come to earth to bring God's kingdom into earth, and he had a relatively small window to do it in. So if anybody had the opportunity to say, you know what, Sabbath is good for the rest of you, but I'm going to not do this Sabbath thing, it could have been Jesus. But that's not what Jesus does. Instead, this verse shows us that it was his custom to observe the Sabbath. And a part of a Sabbath observance was to gather with others in the synagogue. That's the local religious gathering to worship and to read scripture. Now, as we think about, we're going to, have to think about some practical stuff at the end of our time this morning, but I think we just want to just note two things here. You know, Jesus' example should cause us to, to see that the practice of Sabbath is, has a sense of regularity and intentionality to it. It's not haphazard. It's not random. There's a sense of regularity and intentionality that's a part of Sabbath. And not only that, but if Jesus saw fit to, to include in his Sabbath observance the gathering with other people to worship and to, and to read Scripture— Maybe that should be something that we have to keep in mind as well, too, that these activities can be a part of our Sabbath observances. And what we're doing here this morning can be a part of that. It can be a part of how we practice Sabbath. Our second point this morning is that Sabbath is a principle to apply, not a rule to conform to. And we're going to look at, at Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 27 here uh, to help us with this. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This past week, I, I tried... I tried to have a conversation with my kids about how roughly they were playing with each other because it appeared to me that it was just a matter of time before somebody got hurt. Now, I say I tried to have a conversation because it got derailed by details. It got derailed by the series of rules about what they could and they couldn't do. It seemed relatively clear that punching your brother, that was bad. That was out of bounds. But what happens if you body check your brother while playing hockey? 
Well, it's a sport, and so body checking is kind of a part of a sport, so I guess maybe that's okay. No, but what happens if you body check him really hard and he gets hurt and he did it on purpose, but you're still playing hockey? You can see how the conversation went. <laughs> now, the principle or the point of the conversation was really that I didn't want them to cause harm to each other. That was the big idea. That was the point. But where the point got lost was in the details of what they could and they couldn't do. And in a way, this is, I think, what happens to God's people when it came to how they understood what it meant to practice the Sabbath. Their focus became on what they could or they couldn't do, and they were missing the point. You know, in these verses, the question is about whether it's okay for somebody to pick grain in a field and eat on the Sabbath. Is that okay? Well, technically, harvesting grain on the Sabbath was forbidden. But what was in mind was the idea that a farmer might just continue doing his farming seven days a week, and not only that, would make other people work seven days a week. That was what was in mind. This rule was not about some people going out for a walk and picking a piece of grain as a snack on their way. It's not the same type of work. But technically, harvesting grain was not okay. And you could almost hear Jesus sigh here, like these guys aren't getting it. And he uses the story, a story from the past of the famous King David that everybody looked up to and thought was amazing. And he uses this story about how at this time where David and his companions are hungry and they go into the temple, the tabernacle, and they take the sacred bread and they eat it. And God seems to be okay with it. And the idea that Jesus is trying to convey is that there's more to pleasing God than strictly following the rules. And then Jesus goes on to explain that the rules aren't about the Sabbath aren't the point. Because Sabbath isn't something that we do to earn God's approval. Instead, Jesus points out that Sabbath is a gift that God gives for our benefit. See, God knew that we would need help maintaining our sense of perspective because we have a lot of things coming our way. He knows this. And so Sabbath is God's gift to help us be who God has created us to be. Now another time, Jesus heals a woman who'd been crippled for 18 years. And we might think that the people who are watching this would be ecstatic, because they probably have known her for a long time. But that isn't the case. And so in Luke chapter 13, we read this. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out and give it water? Then should not this woman be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Again, the Jewish people of Jesus' day had some very clear ideas about what you could do or could not do on the Sabbath. And it comes through in what we just read here. You know, Jesus heals someone, and the response of the religious guy is not to be happy about it, but to be up, up, upset. You know, why couldn't you heal her on any other day? And Jesus gets upset because he's like, you aren't getting the point here, you hypocrites. You would take your animals out and feed them and give them something to eat, and you aren't showing the same dignity and respect to this woman. There's a whole other sermon right here, by the way, on this. See, while the Sabbath is about rest, that Sabbath, the Sabbath doesn't relieve us of the responsibility to act mercifully and to act justly. And that's the point Jesus is making here. 
In fact, in this act of mercy, this woman is experiencing what the Sabbath is really all about. She experiences wholeness and health and a whole new lease on life. And really, isn't that what we want out of our experiences with Sabbath? Isn't that what we want out of our experiences with God? That, that we want our rest to bring about something new and something wonderful and energetic and, and just an excitement that, that feel, makes us feel like we're ready to take on life. And this is what this woman, that Jesus gives this woman, a whole new start, a whole new beginning. That's what Sabbath is all about. You know, Sabbath is very much a, a countercultural idea. And let me just name right now that if you were like me at all, if I was sitting where you are right now, I'd be, I, I'd be thinking in my mind, man, you don't know how much stuff I have to do. Like, I can't afford to take a whole day off and, and call a, 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 and, and engage in Sabbath practices. But let me push back on that for a moment. Because here's the thing I know about me, and I, I suspect might be true of you, is I make time for the things I really want to make time for, no matter how busy I actually am. I make time for the stuff that's important to me. And so I seem to, it might mean that we have to rethink how we run our lives, organize our lives, but I, I seem to think that I, maybe you, have more time for Sabbath than we think we do. But there are others of us for whom this idea of Sabbath is, certainly does feel impossible, and because of the circumstances of our lives, might actually be impossible because of the burdens and the responsibilities that we carry. You know, some of us are, are working multiple jobs to make ends meet, to support our families. Some of us are single parents who really don't have any sense of me time. Others of us are living in situations where, uh, that are just plain chaotic and, and are not conducive to any sort of rest. There are some real burdens and some real things going on in some of our lives that make what we're talking about here sound like pie in the sky, great idea, Josh, but I, I can't handle that. And for real, not just excuses. You know, as we look at what Jesus does in the life of this woman, Perhaps one of our takeaways for those of us who have more margin, for those of us who can find space to put things into our lives if we really want to, is to follow Jesus in bringing God's mercy and wholeness, to bring his Sabbath to others. Maybe it looks like offering childcare. Maybe it's offering our home as a place of refuge and rest. I don't know. But the Sabbath seems to be something that can be shared in addition to us enjoying for ourselves. Our final point this morning is that our practice of Sabbath should be liberating, and I put in, bra in brackets, not restrictive. You know, when we think about Sabbath, we need to realize that there's, there's no command in the New Testament for us to follow Sabbath like there is, like in the same way that the Old Testament commands Sabbath with all the details. There's no command that says, follow the Sabbath the same way as it was in the Old Testament. In fact, one of the concerns that the Apostle Paul has about, for the church in Galatia is that they've adopted the strictness of the Jewish practice of Sabbath and some other observances, and in the process, missing out on the freedom that Jesus brings, that Paul spends so much time talking about freedom and, and newness and, and how you, you aren't, don't need to be tied down by these other religious things. But Paul's afraid that, you know, they've kind of become, they've, they've, they've become restricted by this Jewish practice of Sabbath. And he writes in Galatians chapter 4, You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. You know, it's not a bad thing that we plan out and we have structure to how we practice Sabbath. We're going to discuss some options for how to do this in a few moments. But we need to be careful that we don't become legalistic about it either. In fact, as we explore Sabbath, we might find a rhythm that works for us that doesn't work for somebody else. And that's okay. 
In Romans chapter 14, Paul acknowledges this, and he says that we should try to be fully convinced in our own minds about how we practice Sabbath. And over the the past few months, it has come to my attention that despite my best efforts, that I am now a 40-year-old dad, and other people notice and, 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 and it's true. I mean, I literally have two kids, a dog, a minivan, and I live in the suburbs. I have dad, dad vibes all over, okay? And recognizing this is important because this is a perspective that I naturally have with all the privileges, the responsibilities, the opportunities, and the challenges that come with that. But your life might be different than mine. Your life is different than mine. Your responsibilities are different. Your, our, the opportunities that we have are not the same. Some of us are retired, some of us are single, some of us are divorced, some of us are, are, have, have a few kids, some of us have lots of kids, uh, some of us, our job statuses are stable while others are in flux. We have, there's a whole bunch of reasons why we are not exactly the same. But the point is that just, just like we, how we might think about our ideal vacations would differ, our need for and our practice of Sabbath might differ from one another as well too because we are just different people. And something that I'm learning is that, that, for me even, my need for Sabbath changes in different seasons. Sometimes what brings me rest and rejuvenation in one season doesn't give me rest and rejuvenation in the next. Sometimes what I need is I need just to hang out with people. That's what I need. Well, other times, I really don't need people. I need to be alone. Sometimes my practice of Sabbath needs to just, is just me sitting down and reading Scripture, vast amounts of Scripture. Well, other times, I can't do it. I just need to go out for a walk. Our Sabbath practices should be liberating and not restrictive. And so as we discover what Sabbath looks like for us, we should give ourselves the grace to not walk into a single expression of what this means. Flexibility is a good thing. Flexibility can be life-giving. Flexibility helps us be curious and explore what is life-giving for us and the circumstances and experiences and the opportunities and the challenges that we are living in and living with. Now, as we've talked about Sabbath, I've said this a few times, I've been intentional about trying not to be prescriptive, about telling you what this needs to look like for your life. Rather, my hope is that we have kind of talked about principles, and we talked about this two weeks ago, and we talked about this again this week, but principles of Sabbath that we might be able to explore for ourselves and figure out what does this mean for us. Now, that said, I want to wrap up by talking about two things that I'm hoping can be helpful for us if we try, if we're going to try to make Sabbath a part of our lives. And we're going to talk about a Sabbath framework, and we're going to talk about a Sabbath approach here. Now, the Sabbath framework, what I'm talking about here is, you know, what, is, what are things that I need to be thinking about, um, about how I can practice Sabbath daily and how I can practice Sabbath weekly for me? And so daily, a question that I might ask is, what can I do today to seek God's perspective and to enjoy his rest? What can I enjoy today to seek God's perspective and his rest? And this could be relatively simple. It could be finding 10 minutes at the beginning of the day to gather our thoughts and just to say, hi God, like I, 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 here I am. I want, to be, uh, I want to hear from you today. I want to be aware of you today. I'm yours. It could be that simple. It could include scripture reading, it could include prayer, it could include meditation, that could include all of that at, at the beginning of the day. Or, maybe it's a quiet moment in our car before we walk into work. 
Or maybe it's about being intentional, about unplugging and slowing down at the end of our day. About finding a time and saying, you know, before I go to bed tonight, I'm just going to step back. And a part of this could be reflecting on how have I seen God at work in my life today? Or what do I wish had been different? God, let's talk about that. It could be anything, but what we're talking about is creating space to disengage from the demands of the day and to turn ourselves towards God. And weekly, the question could be, what day can I arrange differently so that I can focus on, focus on activities that promote rest and rejuvenation? And this one right here really naturally moves into our next application point, but the big idea is that, that we find a day each week that, that we can arrange differently to help us step back from the normal demands of our lives and instead gives us an opportunity to rest. Now, traditionally, this gets discussed as a 24-hour period of time, and I think that there's something ideal about that that we should aim for. That said, at the risk of letting people off the hook and making this way too easy, I recognize that this might be hard. And if we make it too hard, nobody's going to try it. So I'm going to suggest that, we identi- that if that's you, that we identify a, t- a three-hour period, a two- to three-hour period each week, and we start with that. And we set that point aside as our Sabbath time. Remember, the point is not to be legalistic, but to create space. Again, I do think that there's value to having a whole day set aside. I think that there's some rest and rejuvenation that happens when we actually give ourselves more time, not less time. And one of the risks of of leaving it to a two- or three-hour window is it becomes something on our to-do list. But at the same time, for some of us, we need a place to start. And that might might be the place to start. We might be able to grow from there. Let's move into a Sabbath approach. This really gets to, this is really how do we think about uh, our weekly Sabbath, uh, what, what, whatever it looks like. And, and in order to do this, we actually, we actually should be doing some advanced work on this, okay? Thinking ahead. Sabbath, as I'm learning, isn't something we do accidentally. It's something that we do on purpose. And so if you get, all of a sudden you walk into your Friday and you're like, oh, I guess today's my Sabbath, uh, it's probably not going to be as good as if we identified a day earlier, like if we'd step back and said, that's the day I'm working towards. And so the first one, and oh, I have alliteration here. I have three Ps. I know, good for me. I'm a real pastor now. Uh, (laughs) The first one is plan. And that is that we choose one day in our week that to be our Sabbath. And for some of us, it might be Sunday, okay? What we're doing right here could be a part of our Sabbath activities. For some of us, it could be Sunday, but for others of us, Sunday might not be the best day. And so we choose a day of the week that can work for us and be flexible. Our Sabbath day might vary from week to week based on our work schedules, based on what's going on in our kids' lives. It can vary. It can vary by season by season. And that's okay, but the big idea is that, that we plan out in advance, at least a week in advance, a day that can be our Sabbath. Second is to prepare for it. You know, make a list of the things that we need to do. You know, when, if we, it's going to be hard to, to practice Sabbath if in the back of our minds there is a laundry list of to-do items, and laundry might be one of them, okay, of things that we need to do. You just turn to your husband and say, we have to do laundry. Good. <laughs> Anybody else need to do laundry today? All right, I see a hand. Good. Oh, like not as many as I thought. Good for you. Or some people are lying. All right. But like the idea is like when we have things on our to-do list, that can interfere with our ability to actually like relax and let down and to enjoy that Sabbath rest. And so maybe it is doing your laundry. 
Maybe it is getting your grocery list set, going to get groceries, doing your meal planning, sending, making sure you get caught up on your emails. Maybe it's paying, making sure the bills get paid. Maybe it's the meal planning. Maybe it's some running around on some errands. You get that out of the way the day before, the night before. But what we're just trying to do is we're trying to prepare ourselves so that when we get to that time that we've designated a Sabbath, we don't have a million other things going on in our minds. And perhaps when that other thing does pop up, we have a piece of paper and a pen. I'm going to say a piece of paper and a pen because that's what we're going to talk about putting our phones away in a moment just to write down the other items that come up. So when we're on our Sabbath and we're like, oh, I forgot to do this, I need to call that person, we can actually just write it down and pick it up the next day. The last one is to be present. You know, and what we're talking about here is just to plan some th- things that, are, that we find restful during the day, that we can just be pre- truly present in. And that will vary from person to person. Maybe it's cooking, maybe it's gardening, maybe it's going for a hike, maybe it's taking a drive, maybe it's journaling, maybe it's going for a bike ride, maybe it's visiting with a friend, you get the idea. But, but you know, having fun can and should be a part of our practice of Sabbath. It really should. And so planning for these things is good. Having a plan for what we're going to do is good. But we have to be careful not to overplan our Sabbath either because if we don't have any margin... Just, we don't have space for us to just be, and that's actually pretty important as well. Another idea for this is just to leave our phones out of sight for a few hours. Make a promise to ourselves that we're not going to check our email. Maybe we're going to delete our social media apps for the day or something like that if we need to, but that'll help us be more present. Be present and spontaneous. You know, listen to your body. If you're tired, take a nap. Wonderful Sabbath activity, right? Take a nap. If, you, if it's a nice day, take the opportunity to go outside. If you just don't have very much energy, maybe the nap didn't take or something like that, I don't know, uh, give yourself permission to take it slow. Spend time reading, watching a movie. Just let yourself be. See, what we end up deciding to do on our Sabbath is ultimately up to us. But remember, and remember, it's not what we can and can't do so much as it's about making space to reconnect with God and to rest. To step back from the things that ordinarily take our time and our attention and our energy and to give ourselves space just to be. And to in that space of being, to orient ourselves towards God and to, and to have God reshape how we think, how we feel about life and to speak into, into our lives for, that's where we're going to end this morning. And let me just say that I think this Sabbath, a Sabbath sermon series could just go on and on and on and on and on. The risk it might get boring, but uh, it's one of those things that I think Michelle said to me, she's like, haven't you spoken on Sabbath already? And I'm like, I think so. But I also feel like, at least for me, this is something I need a regular reminder of. And so I, all that to say is I'm not speaking to you as an expert on the Sabbath, far from it. Otherwise, I'd be the most chill, you know, easygoing person in the world, but at the same time, I'm really not. I can be pretty high-strung at points. And this is just a point, something that I'm learning. And so I'm hoping that this is something that we can learn together and that we can be encouraging each other just by saying, hey, how are you doing at taking your Sabbath rest? Why don't we, why don't we pray and then uh, we'll... we'll just kind of end our service. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. Lord, thank you for the opportunity just to, just to step away from the things that normally occupy our time. You know, God, there are so many good things that we, are, we get to enjoy on a daily basis, but, but Lord, we need a break. 
We need a break from just uh, from, from um, work. We need a break from chores, Lord. We need a we need a break from just the, the bombardment of news. And God, we need we need to step back from that. And so, Lord, it is our prayer this morning that as we learn to explore what Sabbath means for us, that God, you would we would experience you in in real life giving ways. And Lord, that you would generate in us a curiosity and a desire to, to, to really explore this and to figure out what it means for our lives and for our families. God, we want to be people who reflect you and reflect you well. God, we want to be a community of followers of Jesus whom people, our neighbors, look at and say, there's something different about them. We want to know more. God, I believe that this practice of Sabbath is a cornerstone of us being who you have created us to be. Help us to learn this. God, we've got a lot of things coming our way this week. And so we simply this morning just ask that, that you would help us in whatever we encounter. Lord, give us strength, give us wisdom, give us peace, give us an abundance of love and grace. Lord, give us words when words are failing us. Give us just a, a gentleness, a gentleness to know how to respond to the things that come our way. Thank you, Jesus, for, what, for how we'll see you at work this week. Amen.